Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 8, Episode 14. I'm Jack. I'm Mayor Steve. And joining us, making his hat-trick appearance, is journalist, author and all-round good guy, all round <laughs> Chris Slegg. Nice to be described that way. It's <laughs> first time I've ever got a hat-trick, so uh, yeah, delighted already. It's great to have you back. I mean, you joined us last season um, and we talked about your book that you released then, which was The Team That Dared To Do. Yeah. Um, how's that gone? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. I, th- that was, bizarrely, the second book of mine that, that was published, but it was the first book I wrote because I wanted to, when I decided I really wanted to write a book, I mean, it was something I'd always wanted to do, but when I thought, I have to get this done... Um, it was uh, writing about something that meant the most to me, and that mm. was my favourite Tottenham season yeah. as a fan. And you know, I started writing that in 2014, 2015, and I had, I had had no season that had stirred those sort of emotions mm. in me um, again until Pochettino arrived. It's bizarre, mm. really. If I hadn't got round to writing that book then, I don't know if I ever yeah. would have written it because. Uh, the last season at White Hart Lane probably rivals it for me now and was far more successful. I mean, if anything, I've had a lot of stick for the title I chose uh, for that book. That it, It's all about the Klinsman season, 1994-95. I wrote it with Jerry Francis, who took over as, as manager that season. He, he took over from Ozzy Ardiles, who was sacked in October. And Jerry himself had written match diaries at the mm. time. Um, and I, was, I started off by going to interview all the players and interview Jerry. And he was like, oh, I wrote a book about this, but it never came out. And uh, so we, we worked together on it. Um, and a lot of people have said, why have you called it the team that dared to do? We didn't win anything. We finished seventh. You know, We got knocked out of the, uh, the League Cup by Notts County. We got thumped in the semi-finals of the FA Cup by Everton. But the reason I chose that title, obviously it's our, it's our motto, but our club motto. But I felt that the team that year approached every game in the right manner. Yeah. They went out to try and win a game yeah. and try and win it with, with flair. Uh, and, and my point really was that it doesn't need, there doesn't need to be a trophy at the end of a season for it to be special and that season was just so special to me because of all the ups and downs because of Klinsman who is he remains my favourite Tottenham player he's not the greatest Tottenham player that I've seen but he made such an impact at the, you know joining in a season where we we started on minus 12 points and to have someone who'd won the World, won the World Cup come in and play at that level was was just amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was great. I, I wrote that book first. It, it took a long time when I then decided to almost rewrite it to combine uh, Jerry's writings. And in the meantime, I then did a, a Love for the Lame, which was all about the most significant matches there ever were at White Hot Lane and interviewed different players about their memories. Um, and, yeah, I've had good good feedback on on both books. It's been really hard to, to kind of get, get out there and, and sell books. I mean, I was just talking to you before we started recording. It, it's so hard if you don't have a... A marketing budget, or yeah, a, you know, um, yeah. a salesperson who's going to help you in that respect to get the word out there is is so difficult. Um, but every single book I've done, I've I've taken so much pride from, and and I've learned an awful lot along the way. And then it came to last year, twenty seventeen. I thought, oh, I wonder if there's ever been a, a women's football yearbook, um, and there hadn't been. And that's kind of what moved me on to my next project. Yeah, well, we've got a copy of of the book, Women's Football Yearbook, twenty eighteen nineteen. Firstly, it looks fantastic. Thank you. It's so, so impressive to see it in the flesh. We've been flicking through um, before we start recording, and there's information... Non-stop, all the way through, all the clubs. I mean, what does it cover? Yeah, what does it cover? Yeah, I mean, so I bought. I don't know if you guys did, but when I was a kid, I bought what was called the Rothmans Football Yearbook, and it covered all the all the 
all the league clubs, you know, if you include the Premier League, then mm. it was part of the Football League. Uh, that became the Sky Sports Football Yearbook in the early 2000s. And just this season, it's become the Sun Football Yearbook. Uh, and I bought that every every year just because, you know, I everyone loves football in different ways. I love statistics. I love the fact that every game means something to someone. And I love the fact that there's a record of it. And as a kid, I love, you know, I started buying the Rothmans Football Yearbook in the 90s, but then I wanted to buy older ones just mm. to see who was scoring the goals then, where yeah. the club finished then. And it just struck me in, in 2017, I wondered if there's ever been a women's football yearbook I looked into it I couldn't find that that one's ever existed Uh, if it has it must have been a very small uh, publication and very small circulation because I cannot find any evidence that one's ever existed so last year I bought out the first ever women's football yearbook that's what I called it Um, I self-published it along with a, a fellow BBC journalist Tom Gary we did have a publisher lined up uh, they pulled out and we'd already done so much work that we were like well this as a yearbook it's going to go to waste so we mm. published it we just about covered our costs it got good feedback and this year we got a, a publisher Legends Publishing and thanks to having them on board they've managed to design it in an, uh, in an even better way we are able to have colour photos in there which was something mm. we couldn't afford um, together last year the layout's better we managed to include more detail about the, the lower division clubs so it, it really covers the top four tiers of English football and anyone who was relegated out of that level at the end of last season. Uh, an interview with all a player or manager from all of the top division clubs, which is the WSL, the Women's Super League. Uh, a bit more detail on, on those in the Championship, like Tottenham Ladies, which is the second tier. And then um, at least an inspirational quote from all those teams who compete in the FA Women's National League, which is tiers three and four. Um, and I think really, I mean, I, you know, I've followed or I've worked on women's football since 2003 I've been a journalist for longer than I Mm. care to remember but it it struck me last the start of last year that really outside of Arsenal and Chelsea who have amazing teams I really didn't know much more about women's football I didn't know what division Tottenham were in you know I didn't know the clubs that Mm. were around I just thought people could learn so much more about the clubs that are on their doorstep you know I wanted to play I feel I, I genuinely feel there is a revolution in women's football going on now and that's been said so many times throughout my career and it's never quite happened but I feel now that society has changed more than the sport has changed mm-hmm. and I think that's why I really see it going from strength to strength and I thought if this book can just be a, play a small part in, in younger kids finding out about the clubs mm-hmm. on their doorstep and just a bit more information about them and at least I thought even if it goes nowhere at least I'd always have done the first one yeah. um, managed to keep it going for this this second year I'm pretty confident that we'll manage to get a third year a third year book out next year and then we'll just have to see um, where it goes because it is a a lot of time that I'm, I'm putting into it at yeah. the moment mm-hmm. so um, just have to see how long I can keep it going but yeah I, I, I mean I was delighted to be welcomed along to Crystal Palace ladies yesterday they had one of the biggest games in their history because they played Manchester United women and they let me go down there and take the book and just having people coming up and flicking through and saying you know what a great idea it was good to hear that I feel like it's the first time I've ever had a really good idea to kind of find something that wasn't there um, before and so so far it's been really largely good feedback. Uh, How closely have you worked with the clubs to write this book then? Well I've had to um, cooperate with all of them so this book covers it'll be close to 100 because it's the 93 clubs in the top four divisions at the moment and those who who were relegated or, or a couple who sadly folded sent Knicks for a team that couldn't keep their senior team going this year so I um, I approached every single club uh, some didn't get back to me it could be because the contact details that I had were out of date but to verify information I went to every single club and as I say with the 
the interviews for the top division clubs we had to get their permission uh, most of the clubs have been brilliant they've been so good at getting back to us they have been delighted to hear about this book and they really want to play their part in. May- I mean it is without doubt I'm, I'm confident to say the most accurate and comprehensive publication there's ever been about women's football I mean it's, it's, it's more accurate than the stuff that appears on the FA website because I've had, when I've found conflicting information I've gone to the clubs to get them to verify it. That's not to say I'm sure there could well be a few mistakes may have crept in because having this vast amount of information, you're always going to have conflicting resources. But I know that it is more accurate than the stuff that appears on the own the FA's own website. Mm. And, and you need the cooperation of people mm. uh, who, who do that. And there are many bloggers out there who've been following women's football longer than I have. Some local press are actually pretty good now mm. at, at covering their, their women's teams. And I, I've just made a, you know, I've, and it, the great thing about Twitter nowadays is you can find people, you can get them to follow you, you can fire them off a question. And, uh, you know, I've, I've depended on that, these people out mm. there who have helped me verify information. Mm. Um, that's a great thing. I've, at the front, I've given acknowledgements to many, but there's many more out there uh, who've just chipped in with the odd fact or stat here to help me pull this all together. And I'm so grateful to all of them. Yeah, that's brilliant. So it reminds me of is I've got all your books. Um, oh, thank you. That's right. <laughs> You're my, my most loyal customer. <laughs> yeah. And it, what the, what there's a lot of sport books out there, but what they always start with, they don't start with. You're not there. They're not there just as a, a vehicle to make money. They're there as a as a tool of passion. Yeah. But then they're with your journalistic quality and writing and research. They're they're delivered to a really high quality. And what I'm looking at it is that there's something for everybody in here. I I hope so. I can't stop flicking through. I've just found two Welsh clubs in here, so I'm happy. Um, But I can't wait to show this to my daughter. Like, she's just now learning what football is, and so I want to show her, look, there's people who look like her, or she will look like. Yeah. And there is literally something in here for everything. I'm thinking my dad's going to look at this and and love it as well. I mean, that's a fascinating thing. I mean, and it didn't occur to me until quite late on in my life. I mean, when the men's football yearbook came out in 1970, women were still banned from playing on, mm. on FA grounds. The FA ban was remained in force until 1971. It had, it had run since 1921 when the FA deemed that football was in their words quite unsuitable for females. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing to think, you know, in, 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 at that time when the Men's Football Yearbook came out, people were saying, you know, it's not a game for women. And that's what, you know, just our dad's generation may well have thought that, but mm. in our lifetime just how much things have changed. But again, it's only this season that we have for the very first time a, a top division that is only for full-time clubs. So every time, every team in that top division, of which there are 11, has to be able to pay for all their players to be full-time and their manager to be full-time. And that's the first time ever that you know young girls going to these games and, as I saw yesterday, having great access to the players. Mm-hmm. You know, getting getting up close, getting photos, getting autographs. And should that be their dream, they can see there is a career. They can see that, hey, I might make it. Not everyone will. We know many of us set out as young boys hoping and dreaming we could have that career and 99.9% of us will never get there. But until now, young girls didn't even have that dream. Um, So that's quite a seismic change that's happened very, very recently. Yeah, I would say the match day experience and the only women's football I've seen are the games that Spurs have been involved in. But the games down at Chesnut are fantastic. Yeah. Firstly... Going to watch the men's game is 
from a financial point of view, difficult for a lot of people because mm. tickets yeah. are not cheap. You can go down to Chesham and watch Spurs Ladies. Yeah. It's normally a fiver to get in. And like you say, the interaction you get with the players, they come over at full time yeah. and speak to you. And yeah. you just think, you know, if you're a family and you can't necessarily afford to go and watch the men's every week or you want a different football experience, mm. you want your kids to get up close and personal with the players. There's nothing better than going over to Chesney. It, it, it's so fantastic over there. It's a different. It's a different experience. Yeah. And I've, I'm, I'm someone who's loved football at every level. I'm, I, I kind of count myself as a bit of a ground hopper. I want to go mm. to all 92 of the men's uh, clubs in my lifetime. I hope to. I love going to non-league football. And again, it struck me last year. You know, I don't go to non-league football um, for the same reasons I go to Premier League football. I don't think there's mm. you know, going to be 60,000 people yeah. there, and it's going to be a match that's going to be talked about all week on the news. But I find every game I go to means something to someone it means something to that community it means something to that old boy and his dog who are there every week it usually and means it, more well yeah it does and it, and it struck me well hang on I've never actually gone to outside of the ones I've worked on I've never mm. gone to a women's football match and I actually to my shame I've still not been to Cheson I've been to seven women's games this year for for, for reasons of time I've tended to go to the ones that are closest to me and that's I've been to Crystal Palace ladies twice because I live close to where they play in Bromley uh, I went to AFC Wimbledon who are playing at um the non-league men's teams, Carl Schwartzen's ground, which isn't too far from me. Um, I went down to Crawley Wasps last mm-hmm. week before their FA Cup game, and there was about 80 people there. But it was uh, they were playing QPR's development side, and so many QPR. I mean, it's mainly friends and family of the players, but came along, and the atmosphere there was great. Even yeah. though there's only 80 people, it was just so intense. Everyone was so into yeah. that game. Uh, and then this weekend to, to Palace Man U, and you know, there's a hell of a lot of controversy about Manchester United being mm-hmm. just catapulted in to the second tier when they they didn't have a team since 2005 and then they've kind of just come back and been given this place but it almost doubled the gate I think yesterday they had 975 people there wow. uh, the palace secretary, secretary said to me look if we had this every week it would just change the whole yeah, way that yeah. we can finance this club so I hate using this word as a football fan, but the brand of Man United just seeing the power of that yesterday, yeah. and how many people have travelled down from mm. from Man U. And I met you know I met a couple of guys there who will go to as many. I don't know how people can do this these mm. days, but will go to as many Man U men's and women's games yeah. as they can go to. And mm. fair play to them. I can't. I, I don't have the time to to do yeah. that anymore as as a dad mm. of two kids. Um, don't have the money to do it yeah. either. You know, mm. some people are, football obsession is at a level well above mine and I count myself as being fairly obsessed with football um, and I've just found it a whole new area of football to explore and learn about um, and so for me it's been a learning process really I've learned so much putting the book together yeah. so what is interesting is we were talking off air about Spurs and how the feeling's a bit down at the moment and, and what yeah. we love has gone a bit and what we love is the football side of it and it's becoming all about stadiums and corporate and all that sort yeah. of stuff what you go back to these games is is to see the football and you love that yeah. and that, that's what I love about the, the women's game uh, that's the same for, same reason for me and, and yeah. again it may be an age thing that I've become a little um, a little bored of the Premier League narrative as such Yes, and it's just been fascinating finding out about different teams and different players and different at the moment you still as a journalist have good access to, to the women's games because they're keen to promote it I fear a bit that some of the top clubs are already beginning to be aware of their mm. own kind of commercial ties mm. and not being quite as open as they were even a year or or two ago um, and yeah I, I felt a little disillusioned with I mean I know Premier League has probably uh, always been money orientated but I think the older the, you get the more aware of that you become I fear a bit actually that the women's top flight could go the same way mm. um, eventually but 
for now it's been fun just exploring this this whole new area of yeah. football for me yeah I'll tell you what I find interesting as well just looking through this book but all of the teams that are across the tiers yeah and like you've got tier one Yeovil Town yeah which I think like, it's, amazing, it, it? it's incredible and there are even teams in tiers two and in, in three and four that you know, you try and think about a men's side that's associated with them. Is there even one? Well, that, I find that incredible. It, it is, and it's changing so quickly. So when I did, as I say, when I put together the first one last year, I didn't even know the teams that made up the top division yeah. and the second division. And I found out, Yeovil have got a top division team. Yeah. That seems amazing. Now, there's a backstory behind that, which, which leaves me conflicted, because in some ways it's great that Yeovil still have their top flight place, because... The FA could argue, well, it's not all about money. Um, it's not, you know, because Yeovil are not a rich club if you compare them yeah. to yeah. Chelsea women or or Manchester City yeah. or Arsenal. Uh, but then the football fan would say, well, they should have been relegated last year. They finished bottom of the of the of the table, mm. but they did prove that they were able to be a full time team. So you could say, well, it's great that you've still got this kind of underdog mm-hmm. within the top flight. Uh, but if you looked at it in the way that we look at men's football in a meritocracy on the basis of their results. They should have been relegated. Now, last year they won their first competitive match. Last sorry, last week they won their first competitive match for 41 matches, and they beat Everton. Uh, and that was billed as a real feel-good story. And I bought into that as a real yeah. feel-good story. I thought that's brilliant. But then within the women's football community, you see a lot on social media of people who are saying if they haven't won for 41 matches. Yeah. They shouldn't be in the top division. Yeah. And actually, for people who are c- closer to the women's game than I am. Mm. There, there's a bit of a kind of feeling that well they, they're not there purely on merit so it is it's and then you had teams last year like Oxford and Watford again who were in the um, second tier and they've had to give up their place mm. they've they've had to say we can't afford to even be a part-time club mm. in the second tier Sunderland have to give up their top flight place because they can afford that so it is kind of being driven by these financial reasons um, but I do still feel there is more of a, a human a human feeling to it than mm. there is in, in the mega money orientated Premier League and Champions League men's game that we see in front of us right now and everything that's going on with yeah. you know what Manchester City and, and PSG might have done yeah. you know financially wrong and I know that's all still being looked into but yeah it's, it, there is, it, there's so much that I've learned about women's football and just seeing those yeah those different team names and just finding out a bit more about where they play and there's clubs like Crawley Wasps that I mentioned they don't have a tie to a men's club and they actually love the freedom of that they're not not tied to Crawley Town Denham as well I think are the biggest or they they claim to be the biggest women's only club based up in uh, kind of northwest London I've not been to a game there yet I really want to go along there they have all these age group teams they're not associated with a men's club Mm. and they've done so much down the years to to promote and and get young girls a a place to play and hopefully go onwards and upwards Yeah, I think that's brilliant but I, I look at the names of the sides that are in the tiers three and four and you've got Premier League sides and this is where women's football frustrates me so much it's like there's so much money in football and yet you've got Watford who have produced some really good women's players some that play for Spurs and you just think how is then how how are they in a position where they can't afford to be a part time team I just think it's I find it absolutely well, remarkable. I mean, mm. I mean, I won't go into the backstory. Of, well, I should probably mention the Cardiff City ladies there are not associated with Cardiff City. Are they not? But Cardiff City women, who are not in this book because they play all of their games in the Welsh League, are. Um, um, but Cardiff City ladies are their own club who yeah. play in the English League. Uh, now Southampton, Southampton They've women there. Yet. Well, Southampton women are not affiliated to Southampton, but Southampton FC women 
who are not in this book because oh, they're amazing. too low down. Amazing. They're not even in the top four yeah. tiers. They are. And they're actually coming on very quickly because Southampton are putting more money in. Yeah. Now, in the Southampton region, I've not spoken to them, but I would imagine Southampton women and Southampton Saints, who are another club, may feel a little bit like, oh, Southampton FC have suddenly come from nowhere and are probably taking quite a lot of good young yeah. players now because they want to become... Uh, yeah. So there are all these arguments. You can look at it mm. both ways. But yeah, I mean, looking at the, the Richard Scudamore um, payment this week, which yeah. is a, which as yeah. a journalist, I've not looked into enough. And uh, you know, as a journalist, I would give a more balanced view. As a football fan, that left me disgusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because two hundred and fifty thousand pounds per club, what that would do, not just for for a women's team, but for you know, academy size, for youth development. For, for fans, you know, for, for some of what we've seen over the year, recent years with fans having to travel at ridiculous hours to get to games mm-hmm. with ticket prices that have soared and the fact that they could find 250 grand each at short notice to pay an already very yeah. wealthy man as a football fan left me feeling pretty disgusted. Yeah. You know, what, what clubs like Crystal Palace ladies could do with that money, what, what Tottenham ladies I'm sure could do. Uh, with that money it would mean an awful lot to them and that really again this week left me feeling when I've, I've, I've kind of fallen out of love with a lot of what the Premier League represents much as I still love Tottenham and I still love going to Tottenham games and you know we're enjoying such a such a rich vein of success comparative to what I've seen in my life but mm. the Premier League operation has really yeah upset me recently I have to mm. say I think going back to the point you made earlier, for anybody that doesn't know, is how the women's leagues are actually structured and what you were mentioning about you have to be able to prove that you can be a full-time team to have actually been in the first division, which as a fan listening to that straight away, you naturally think that... That's crazy. Like, how is, and and that, that can that can quite possibly alienate a lot of people. And yeah. what's what's alienated me in the past is women's the way they've structured women's football has changed so much. So as I say in my twenty well nearly twenty years as a journalist, uh, many times in the past where I've tried to learn a bit more about women's football and I've been I've been alienated because it was so hard to keep on top mm. of every time it changes. And when I bought out the first women's football year, but I thought we're going to be there from the start of a new yeah. era because they switched from a summer league to a winter league and I thought we'll, we'll be there from the start and then halfway through the season they announced there was going to be another change I thought they're changing it again so they brought in this new licensing criteria where you had to prove you could be a full time club and to be in the second tier you had to prove you could be a part time club yeah. and that has upset and all, I mean that's been hugely controversial yeah. it's mm-hmm. upset so many people and with my football fans head on it doesn't feel right mm-hmm. from the wider societal perspective of getting to a place where as many women as possible can have a career in football, it was a very good business plan. I think the FA have done what they had to do for these wider societal pressures. Having Manchester United women in in the second division, as I say, I saw the power of that brand yesterday. I mean, we, we, Chelsea and Man City were the top top clubs have been for the last five years and Arsenal you know their their big gates there would be 2,000 2,500 mm. if anyone's going to break a 10,000 I think it'll be Man United yeah. if they get promoted mm. this season which they probably will and end up playing Man City or Liverpool in the top flight and if they were to stage that game at Old Trafford I think they would be the first club to have 10,000 mm. people there and so you can see why the FA have kind of taken this this shortcut and again we're talking about money in football well the FA are, are rich but they're they're not for profit. They have said openly that if the Premier League or the Football League wanted to take over the running of the women's game, they would be open to that because the real money, let's face it, yeah. is not with the FA, it's with yeah. the Premier League. And it might be that 
that that is when it really t- goes to yet another level. Mm. Yeah, I think as well, just mentioning specifically to Spurs that we're in the second division, we're a part-time team, but our players, all pretty much all of them, have full-time jobs yeah. and balance a nine-to-five Monday to Friday with training in the week, playing at the games. I, I think it's incredible. Yeah. And whilst I agree financially, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you've you've got players that love playing. Yeah, and like at the top flight in in men's football, there's definitely players you look at and you think, do you really care? Do you well, really want to be there? Yeah, well, yeah. well he always he, he, he just does not want to play. He's just making him money. And yeah. I, that's an element of women's football that I absolutely love. Yeah. When you go and watch the games, it is literally do yeah. or die. It's, yeah. it's yeah. fantastic, and you can see it in. Just in the way they play. I, I, I absolutely love women's football. I had a bit of a... I had a different view years, three or four years ago before and, I started to get involved. An ignorant view because ignorant you didn't know in the yeah. same way everyone does. Definitely. And actually going and watching it and experiencing it and being part of Spurs over the last couple of years yeah. with the sponsorship, it's fantastic and it's a real eye-opener. Just, you know, these... these these footballers are almost superhuman to be yeah. balancing their normal lives and then playing, and playing at, that level. at that level is incredible. It. You're a part of it, you know. Like we always think, I want to be a part of that number. You're not anymore, really, in the men's game. You're yeah. you're a line on a PL sheet. You are like you are if just that. A, yeah, yeah. 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 You, they re, it's not about us anymore. It's about the tourists. It's about the international rights. Whereas you are a part of mm-hmm. women's football. Where can you buy this? So uh, it is available via Legends Publishing. If you go to their website, which is legendspublishing.net, of course you can seek it out on, on Amazon. Or um, if you're asking your local bookshop, you know, make them aware of it because they can order you in a copy. It's, it, I, I think Waterstones have taken a handful, uh, which I feel very proud of. Yeah. But you know, a bookshop's working in, in a way. If you make them aware that there's a title out there, they can they can get it in for you. And uh, you know, word of mouth, I want more and more bookshops to become aware of it because as we were saying earlier I just love the idea of young kids young boys and girls walking into a bookshop and seeing there's a, there's a book there with, with women players on the front and that not feeling like an alien or yeah. abnormal thing but this is only the second year there's ever been one yeah. um, and I just hope that just becomes kind of normal and that this, this I mean it's, it's mainly a reference book but I want it to become there's inspirational interviews in there and I want that balance to change over the years and I want it to be something that is there for for every year and become more and more of an inspirational kind of guide to all the clubs and players out there and yeah um, I just hope with, with time more people become aware of it because it, that's been the hardest thing getting the word out there yeah we, I mean last it's a great Christmas gift oh, we, yeah. we're not being paid as anything to promote this this is here because we love you and we love your work and well, it, I really appreciate it's, that it's, it's a fabulous uh, it's a fabulous I can't wait book. to read it I can't wait to read it yeah it's brilliant Let's do a bit of a review of how Spurs ladies have been getting on so far. Okay, season, yeah. Then. I mean, they're flying in yeah. summary. They're yep. having an absolutely incredible season. So they're currently top of the Women's Super League 2. Played 8, 1-7, drawn none, lost one. Yeah. So the only game that they lost was to Man United, which was a couple of weeks ago. Man United are in second with a game in hand. So if they win that game in hand, they will go above Spurs. But I mean, we've had victories against Leicester, Palace, Villa. We built Millwall 8-0. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, Charlton at the weekend. Uh, and that's just a few. They've been absolutely phenomenal in all competitions this season, Spurs. Yeah. Um, amazing, amazing start to the season. And what they have, I mean, obviously Manchester United are the only full-time team in this division. Tottenham are not full-time and they're doing so well in what's only their their second season at yeah. this level uh, to be well up there and, and still in with a chance. Um, I went not for the book but to interview uh, Karen Hills, the, yeah. the general manager there for BBC London a couple of seasons back when they had drawn uh, Arsenal in the fifth round, I think, of the, mm. the Women's FA Cup. And... Um, what she was saying to me then was just being able to train at Hotspur Way 
with all those facilities have just changed things for her beyond belief. She, I mean, she's been there for a very long time. Yeah. And she said it, it now meant they could have double training on the days when, when players were able to get there. As you mm. mentioned, yeah. they've all got other work commitments. Yeah. But just being there, being moved in there and, and feeling like part of the club has has clearly taken Tottenham to to a different level. And yeah, it's great to see them doing so well. As I said, I've not actually managed to get along to Chesney mm. yet and I'm determined to go there. Um, before the end of the season it's, it, it is a great success story and I follow their every match I follow closely on social media uh, I mean you all know you say the atmosphere when you've been there oh, it's, been, it's fantastic yeah. like I said and it it's friends and family of both clubs mm. there's a good atmosphere there's banter there's not animosity or any of that it's yeah. such a family atmosphere when yeah. you go down and watch a well, I, I sold a book yesterday to Siobhan Chamberlain's husband who's a Man United and, and England goalkeeper he yeah. came up and he chatted to me and he's like oh this is brilliant and then he just let on that he was you know married to the Man U goalkeeper yeah, wow. and Ella Toon's mum who was playing for Man U came up and bought a copy and you're like wow this is yeah, amazing yeah. to be selling books to your relatives of some of the best women's players yeah, in this country yeah, it made amazing. me feel really proud and you mentioned Karen Hills earlier the, the yeah. manager at Spurs like, credit to her and the whole backroom staff there as well because they're doing more than just coaching sessions in the week and then doing the games like they're running an entire football club which I think Mm. a lot of people and again before I started working in this space I had no idea I just assumed that was handled Mm. you know there's Nicole as well at at Spurs Ladies who who helps with all of that stuff and there's not many of them to be running Tottenham Hotspur Ladies is an absolutely massive job and the fact they're doing that and doing the stuff on the field and it's all such a success so far this season yeah, is yeah. absolutely incredible. I mentioned earlier that we're the, we're the proud sponsor, so it's the second consecutive season Absolutely. we've been the sponsor of Josie Green, yeah. Yeah. which is you know it's fantastic to be involved in it. You know, and to be asked to have done it again for a second year round yeah. was yeah. fantastic. So if you didn't listen to the interview that we that we did last season, that was with Josie, Wendy Martin, and Sarah Wiltshire. That was a brilliant insight mm. into you know what life is actually like playing for Spurs ladies. So if yeah. you haven't listened to that. Go back through and check that out because that's fantastic as well. Um, their next home game uh, is against Durham, uh, Sunday the 2nd of December at Chesham. So Durham the third now, I think, just behind. Yeah, doing so very well as well. Big game in that league. So yeah. if you are in the local area, you want to go down and experience a completely different football match to one that you really will have ever done, yeah. get down and check it out because it's absolutely fantastic. Definitely. We've got to preview the Chelsea game. Ugh. Chelsea at home um, yeah. in the league. So this is a massive, massive game. For both sides, yeah. I mean, if we come out of that game with a victory and a, a convincing victory, yeah. um, and vice versa, if Chelsea go to Wembley and win, both sides will then be looking at thinking, really, the sky's mm. the limit this yeah. season, um, with, with exception of City, obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, we beat them 3-1 at the bridge last season, which was one of my favourite games in recent years, yeah, going yeah. there. With, and, completely with you there. Oh, yeah. Ending that long run and the Deli Alley goal where Dyer plays oh, over the top, it was just goal oh, season, phenomenal, season. that was. What um, was that home game? We lost 2-1, it was very early on in the yeah. season, wasn't it? It was the first, uh, was it the first, first, first home first game. Run of the game. Yeah. Two late goals, we equalised yeah, right. late and then Alonso, they, they got no. an even yeah. later. Alonso, Alonso got a brace. Yeah. It wasn't Hugo's finest hour, uh, the winning goal. But I mean, it's going to be a huge game. Yeah. Um, and that Chelsea game at Wembley feels like an eternity it does. ago. It really yeah. does. I was racking my brains earlier for trying to place when it was that we played them at Wembley. And then I realised yeah, it was right at the beginning yeah. of that, the season. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a strange season. I've only been to, I've only been to three... Three games. I went to the PSV away game, and I was just gutted. Oh, tell us about that. Well, we, had, I mean, we played. We played well. I mean, you know, it was 
gutted because I watched the intergame away game when I was on holiday on, on TV in, a, in an Irish bar and the yeah. barman there was a Chelsea fan oh. and that was so galling because we played well then and we threw it away and lost yeah. in, a, in a very unspurs under Pochettino way because mm. we used to be under him so um, once we got ahead I really felt we weren't yeah. going yeah. to let a game slip and with PSV to say I mean it's, it's galling to think you know I think it's yeah. really unlikely we're going to get out of this group but like, we could have done because we should have had six points from from interim. It's, it's still it's, in our own well, hands. To an extent, it is, yeah. and that's amazing. Yeah. And you know, but it could have been to an extent where we're really strong favourites to, yeah. to go through with with Barcelona. PSV away trip was was a great atmosphere, as it always is mm. with uh, Tottenham away fans. It was frustrating in that we had this. Um, you had to prove who you were. You had to take ID out there mm. to to prove that you you were the person who'd bought that ticket. And I queued in the rain. I mean, it didn't rain for the entire ninety minutes, but it was raining. We were queuing for ninety minutes to get our ticket. Um, and you know that's as long as watching the match. And mm. when it's a short trip and you want to explore the city and have fun, to spend ninety minutes. And I, I, I don't blame Tottenham for this. Actually, mm. you know it's a request of PSV, but there was three overworked Tottenham staff in a tiny little kiosk trying to give out I don't know how many tickets, five thousand yeah. tickets. Mm. Now, if PSV and UEFA say, yeah, we need fans to prove who they are. Open up the entire PSV ticket office, yeah. and you know the Champions League is rich enough. PSV is rich enough. Tottenham's rich mm. enough. Staff it for every window there. Oh, I don't know how many windows there were there. For people to just come up and, and prove who they are, get it done in half an hour. It was. I think it was outrageous, and I think fans are going to have to prove who they were at mm. Barcelona away as well. Yeah. We, you know, if they should have more than three people doing that. Yeah, because yeah. Barcelona can certainly afford it. We've talked about this a, a few times actually on the pod because. For, for someone like yourself, you know, who's a, a massive Spurs fan, it must be a frustration going and mm. having to do that. But then on the flip side of it, there's fans that, well, I definitely fall into this bracket. I would have given everything to have been in that PSV game, as I would with the Barca game. Yeah. And the frustrating thing for me with the way the loyalty point system now works is you've got that group of people that, you know, are in the top band. And yeah. that they have been doing the, I'll apply to all these games, I'll sell the ticket on, keep the points, yeah. and then I can go wherever I want. So it's a really well, tough one. I mean, isn't it's, it? it's, yeah, I, it's the only away game I've, because I was, again, before we started recording, Tottenham mm. made a massive error with my with my loyalty points this summer, and I suddenly lost about 167 points. Which is a big deal. A, a massive deal, yeah. and I bought my season ticket thinking I had 300 odd, and, and a few months later, finding out, not being told, finding out I had far, far less, and it took me five or six emails to get to the bottom of why because first of all they said they couldn't tell me then they said um, well various re- it mm. took me a long time to find out they had not taken away any of my points over five years so steadily I'd been awarded points I shouldn't have had mm. so yeah fair enough take them away but A you should have told me B you yeah. should have apologised uh, none of that they, yeah. they wrote emails which kind of suggested maybe I'd been lucky enough to benefit at the expense of other fans which I thought was a really bad way of them phrasing yeah. it yeah. but anyway so I who I, do you think you are it, yeah. It, it, it really it just made me think again feel like we, what we were going back to there that you're just you're just a customer You don't. Yeah. it doesn't mean anything to these Massive clubs anymore, mm. you know. They know that there's going to be someone else to step into your place. So every away, app- I'm, I much prefer going to away games now. And mm. every away application I've had this year has failed now. Whereas mm. last year it would have succeeded mm. because I've got so many fewer points. But because I applied for PSV and then so many people handed their tickets back, I then became eligible. Yeah. So with about four days' notice, I got offered a ticket and said you can go. And so I was like, yeah, definitely. I, 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 I'm well up for doing this because mm. I'm not going to get to. Yeah. You know, I've just had an email today. Arsenal away, Carabao Cup. 
not going to be there. Was that it's about three hundred loyalty For, points? Yeah, three hundred, uh, which I would have had. Or I thought yeah, I had, yeah. but I don't have. Um, through through no, you know, I, I wasn't tossing up my loyalty points for five years, and I didn't notice that each year they yeah. hadn't subtracted them. But I was made to feel like this is your fault, and yeah. you've been really lucky, actually. Um, so that's been that's been a bugbear. But the PSV atmosphere was brilliant, yeah. other than the annoyance yeah. of trying to get the ticket out there. Uh, the result was was galling. I went to Wolves away, which was. Um, you know, a never great. In doubt. Uh, yeah. it, it felt like it was never in doubt, and then it's yeah. great to see how Foyf has responded from yeah. that. I mean, just being there in that stadium and, and see, you know, he played well in the first half, to, but to see him make those two mistakes, you just, I think when you're in a stadium, you just feel it more. You're like, oh my yeah. god, how's he going? How's he going to cope yeah, with this? How's yeah. he going to get over this? And he's responded well in the last few matches, and he got man of the match for Argentina, yeah. didn't he, yeah. uh, last week? So that's great. Um, and yeah, those are the only three games I've been to. Barca at home and PSV and Wolves away. Um, I've enjoyed the atmosphere on each occasion. But yeah, it's been a lot harder for me to, to get away yeah. tickets. And I, I don't like... I'm sick of the Wembley experience. You know, mm. I, I just I don't like it. It's, it's not home. Mm. Uh, I don't want to be too down. But I loved that last season at the lane. I can't yeah. wait to get into the new stadium. And, and going to Wembley just it's it's really it's too much for me now. I just don't like it there. One, one, one thing, just you mentioned Wolves. So I've I've done Wolves yeah. away before, and that's a really unusual ground for an away fan mm. because you're not behind a goal. Well, that's funny you brought that. So I've just said great atmosphere. A lot of people in there, and it was feedback from various different groups of friends I've got. So I think a lot of people came to the same reason. Same. A reason for why that happened. We, it didn't feel as loud as it usually yeah. would. So what Wolves do, and maybe they do this cleverly, they I give you that lower do. tier that goes all along yeah, the edge of the pitch. Yeah. You don't have that depth, and it did feel you know, quieter than a normal away game. And a lot of a lot of fans were commenting on that. Because it's so. only about sort of. 10, 12 rows yeah. back, isn't it? It, yeah. goes all, like said, it goes all the way down the side yeah. of the pitch, but it's hard to generate that atmosphere. You think of other grounds you go to as an away fan, like Everton or Everton's Fulham, where you're really, packed in, yeah. and it literally feels like it's just you in that ground. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. And Wolves is yeah. completely I different. I do wonder if they've done that on purpose. I think so. I think yeah. it's a clever ploy. Yeah. We used to play against Man United, didn't we? Yeah. Instead of having them in the corner, they used to be they used to take the whole of the South Lower. And I yeah. think that must have been part of it. Yeah. Um, I did not know when I went to Wolves. It was years ago. It was mm. actually... I think it was the day that Eunice Cabal was making his second debut for Spurs. So this is going back a fair way. Yep. It was a Wednesday night. Mm. So we drove up there. Um, Michael Kitely scored after about 20 minutes. We lost 1-0. We were terrible. Mm. And we lost 1-0 home and away to Wolves that season. Mm. Yeah. Just but that's, I mean, that, that's the thing, isn't it? For much of our life, that is a typical Spurs result. Yeah. Losing yeah. 1-0 to yeah. newly, newly promoted yeah. Wolves yeah. home and away. So yeah. you know what we have now is... is Stratospherically above most yeah. of what we've experienced. Just going back to Chelsea, what do we think on that game? Then, are you, are you confident? Are I you... think we'll bash out a result. I think I just I, I still think there's something in us now. I think I, I just think we'll bash out a result. It'll be one nil, two one. I think we got it. They Morata's awful. Like Morata mm. is an awful striker. He is. <laughs> Um, See, I, I always get slaughtered because I think Morata in the Tottenham team would score bundles no, of goals, no. and I always get slaughtered. Janssen for it. didn't, Solada didn't. Why would Morata? Uh, but, I mean, do it? Have you seen yeah. the open goal he missed on the weekend? Yeah, yeah. I honestly think I think in the a side that plays to his strengths, I think he'd score goals. Chelsea's not that team at all. No. Um, I've had, I've seen quite a lot of Chelsea this year because they've been on telly a lot. Yeah. Um, and they're a completely different side to mm. what we've, you've really faced in the last decade with Chelsea. Associated Chelsea have been quite aggressive, physical, yeah. nasty side. Yeah. But then they've moved away from that a little bit this year. Jorginho they've brought in in the middle of the park. 
fantastic player. Honestly, mm. he's brilliant. He's Modric esque the way he controls Harry, games. Harry Winks esque. <laughs> Harry Harry he's fantastic. He's the man. And games where I've seen Chelsea struggle is where opposition teams have gone right. We'll put a man on him. And literally, yeah. if you can stop him, you can stop their distribution. Hazard, Hazard um, is a, is a, he's on form. He's, yeah, he's yeah. but I always feel watching Spurs under Pochettino, we're brilliant at stopping the opposition's top Superstar, players. You're right. We're, we're, we're great yeah. at that. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a tough game, but I, w- I watch Chelsea this season, I think they do give you a lot more of a chance defensively than yeah. what they have done over previous yeah. years. So if we're clinical, I think we can do we've it. got a chance. I think it's going to be a really tight game though. 5.30, I hate a 5.30 Chelsea game. You just dread it all day yeah. and then it comes and it's dark and it's horrible. <laughs> I hate it. I properly hate it. Well, you, you talk about Chelsea 5.30 games, it actually brings us on nicely to the Wheel-Time Hotspur quiz. Oh, okay. Wait, are we doing score predictions? Which is, oh, go on then. See, it was teed up so nicely. We've <laughs> done that. Go on then, quick score It's 2-1. 2-1 uh, I'll go 1 all. not quite as ah. confident yeah. 1-0 that 5.30 game you're talking about now is the is New, Year's New Year's Day, Day. New Year's Day. Day so this is the We Are Tottenham Harry Kane's up front we are about the glory of the game we are about playing with style we are Tottenham Hotspur Let me intro it. Um, So, for anybody that's not aware how this quiz format works, I give you a game and I give you a date, and I give you about half of the starting eleven for Spurs that day, and you've got to fill in the gaps ultimately. So, this game is Tottenham five, Chelsea three, first of January two thousand and fifteen. Unbelievable game, unbelievable atmosphere. Anyone that was there can just remember it so vividly. Um, so no pressure in getting the oh, team. I went out the house for the day to avoid it, not realising it was a 5.30 kick. I was listening to it on the radio. I'd been, I spent the day reporting at Barnet. On the, it was New Year's Day, wasn't it? I'd, yeah. been, I'd been reporting at the Barnet game and I was listening to my colleague Nick Godwin doing the BBC London commentary. And it was uh, it's actually in my first, in my book, A Love for the Lane, it's, it's the last, um, it's the most recent game that's yeah. included in that book because I... I build it then as kind of the day that Pochettino proved himself, yeah. that Pochettino's Tottenham was clearly a real force because yeah. at that point, Mourinho, I think that was Mourinho, the first time Mourinho had ever let in five games, yeah, in, yeah. In a, five goals in a league game, I think. Um, and it, it was just obviously a, a Harry Kane kind of like proving that he yeah. was yeah. an elite striker in a, in, a, in a top game against top yeah. opponents. So, yeah. But I, I can't remember the team. Yeah. Like Come on, then, let's do this. Right, so uh, we played 4 2 3 1 that day. So in goal was Hugo Loris. Yeah. Right back. Or Lloris, if you're saying it correctly. Right, right back was Carl Walker. Yeah. Did I pronounce that all right? Yeah. yeah that's okay. All right. Um, left back, that's a question mark. Should we go for that now? Well, or you, can or? Go, you can go for it now. So Danny Rose got. Absolutely clattered by Gary Cahill. Good knowledge. Yeah. Good knowledge. I'd, I'd have said Danny Rose, but I don't remember the clatter. It is Danny Rose. He scored the he scored. first goal after it. I, I can. I used to have the whole game on my phone. I yeah. watched it many times. Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, centre half. So um, one of the centre halves was Jan Vertonghen. Yeah. The other centre half is a question mark. It was someone slow. I think, if I remember correctly. We can come back to it if you want to think. I'll do the rest of the team. No, no, no. It was oh, um, no. the one. It's the one who's gone to Roma. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Fazio. Come on. Federico Fazio. I, I pronounced it wrong. Federico <laughs> yeah. Fazio. He got turned for yeah. one of the goals. Hazard's goal, he I think. Lead in his boots, didn't he? Emotio Luca. It would have been an amazing race. If, the, if that was a 100 metre race, it would still be going on. <laughs> we wouldn't yeah. know who's slow. They'd still yeah, be making yeah. their way. Um, so Fazio is correct. Central midfield, we had Nabil Bentaleb. I thought wow. you were going to miss him out. I no, had him prepared. No. Uh, and the other centre midfielder was. Dembele Dembele or Dyer 
wasn't Dembele. Really? Dembele came on in this game after about 10 minutes. Right. So he played the majority of this game, but he didn't start this game. That's the, mm-hmm. the difficult one. Um, right-hand side of midfield, you need to get. And you need to get left-hand side of midfield. Okay. And then Ericsson was in the hole and Kane was up top. Okay. So I need a centre midfielder, right midfielder and a left midfielder. I think Chadley came on or was Chadley starting? This is starting and Chadley, Chadley came start- on. No, Chadley, Chadley started. started. Chadley started oh. this game. Because he played really well and he yeah. scored a like, lovely goal. Like a really lovely goal. So Chadley's yeah. correct, so it's just the right mid and the centre mid. Lennon? No, I don't think it was Lennon. It wasn't Aaron Lennon. Um, one of these players scored in this game. Blimey, I really should Kane, know this. Kane, Rose, Chadley... It wasn't Lamella? It wasn't Lamella. It was a penalty. Oh, Townsend. Oh. It was Townsend. Because Kane wins a penalty in this game. We basically yeah. creeps up behind Cahill. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great stat, yeah. So we, we, were, we were at 1-1. Danny Rose scored 47 minutes for 2-1. So we yeah. thought we're going in a half-time 2-1 up. Yeah. And then from the resulting, literally from the resulting kick-off, a ball gets played to Cahill and Kane just nips in behind him. That's it. Kane takes him out. That's it. Townsend steps up, scores three one. Yeah. Cahill should have been off because if you have uh, he 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 clatters Rose after he's yeah. given the ball. Like it, on rugby, it would have been a late late challenge. Yeah. And then uh, he should have had the yellow for that tackle on Kane as well. He shouldn't yeah. have been on. Yeah. And he got sent off for us in his last. He got sent off for Bolton in his last appearance. Performance at Chelsea as well. Did he really? Yeah. Good to, that. to think of a time when Kane wasn't taking penalties is really quite. Yeah, uh, Townsend used to be. Quite yes, he, he, he was. Spot, he didn't he? It's he was. because he, he shoots so high and wide. If you're that close, you, he couldn't hit mm. it that high. So I think he's right. You still need to um, get the other centre midfielder. Central midfielder. So this is the guy that went off injured and Dembele came yeah, on. Yeah, can you give me a clue? Um, English played a lot with um, Bentelab during this period. Not Mason. Ryan Mason. Ryan Mason. Jeez. Well done, you did a lot better than me there. I, I just that was a game. Fuzzy, yeah. So that, that side, and this this is only sort of three years ago and it was under Potch was um Hugo and Goal, Walker, Fazio, Vertongan, Rose, Bentelab, Mason, Townsend, Ericsson, Chadley, Kane. Wow. So there's not many of them players that are still yeah. here now, and that's only three years ago. Mm. So I think did Paulinho come on or was that Paulinho did come on. Yeah. Because uh, I remember just laughing that he was coming and <laughs> we were beating Chelsea and it was just, you know, a brilliant night. Um, oh, that was brilliant! John Terry scored. We went five two up, and it was five yes. two for quite a long time. Yeah. And he scored, right, and right, no yeah. celebration. Like, yeah. and hated it. And Eden Hazard it. in that game was that's one of the best individual performances I've seen by an away player. Mm. He was just phenomenal. Every time he got the ball, he just thought, "Oh God, oh God, oh God!" Oh God, oh God. Um, I, hope I hope it's five three on Saturday. Oh, <laughs> that hurts so much. We'll be five nil up at half time. It'd be very spursy when oh. it come back. A couple of listener questions just to finish. So, yeah. um, I was chatting about women's football with my colleagues earlier. One of my colleagues, Lucy, actually wanted me to ask you, Chris, about um, what do you think is next for women's football? Like, what's the next step? Where where do you sort of see it going? Yeah, I mean, I. I Obviously, the World Cup coming next year in France, I think, is going to be massive because it's uh, the last World Cup was in Canada. It's not time zone didn't make it all that viewer friendly here, even though England did really well, finishing third. Mm. Um, and the, you know, the third, fourth place playoff in the Women's World Cup in 2015 felt like a really big deal. It's quite weird that because obviously uh, the men's third place playoff this year, England, Belgium, yeah. a lot of people are saying, does it really mean anything? Well, in the Women's World Cup, it really did mean everything. It felt more like an Olympic bronze medal match. Yeah. In fact, some people, you know, refer to it as England having won bronze at the last World Cup. I think having Phil Neville in charge again, that was a controversial appointment, but I think again, that's kind of brought women's football to a wider audience. And England are ranked number three in the world at the moment, behind USA and Germany. 
they should travel to France with hopes of at least getting to the yeah. semi-finals, I would say. And I think yeah. if they do, we'll have that feel-good factor again that we've just had yeah. this summer with the, with the member. It will be the first time that it's going to be on the BBC. It's going to be a, a family-friendly hour, I would have thought. And, you know, young, young boys and girls really buying into a Women's World Cup, I think, for the first time. And I think that's going to take it... Um, to another level but you know I was asked this question yesterday and Emma Hayes the, the Chelsea manager one of the most successful managers in, in the game won the double last year she said before the FA Cup final at her press conference last year the biggest thing for her is people just going out paying to go through mm-hmm. the turnstiles to watch a game whatever level you go to just get along to a game go and pay to watch yeah. women play football and she said that'll just make a difference to every single player yeah. um, and again that's quite funny because we feel like now in men's Premier League football you almost don't need a crowd there. You know, these, these these clubs could exist without a penny from the paying fan because so much money comes through TV. But I think growing attendances um, will be key to the women's game. And I think uh, greater TV exposure. But actually, we're in a, I've, I would say we're in a good place there. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of this debate f- centres on the negative. But the Women's World Cup next year on the BBC, I would imagine, is going to get a bigger audience than the Men's Cricket World Cup on Sky. Yeah. So we talk a lot about you know, women's games hidden away. But when you compare anything to men's Premier League football... You can't. It's, you can't. Yeah, Other than the NFL, yeah. maybe or La Liga, it's, you can't. It's an and and to, to, it's, yeah, to make the, to make the comparison would just be crazy. And I think people should focus on the positives. There is BT are showing a women's Super League game every week. There's games on the BBC Red Button regularly. There's commentary on BBC Five Live Sports Extra regularly. You know, the Guardian now has Susie Rack writing regular articles. Molly Hudson at the Times. Um, Casey Wyatt's just been reported, uh, appointed as the Telegraph's first ever women's football writer. The exposure is is getting bigger and, and better very quickly now, yeah. um, and I think that's that's come on leaps and bounds just in the last couple of years. And you know, there's a lot of negativity about the lack of exposure, but I think you're only negative if you compare it to to men's Premier League football, which is a monster. It's a it's a mm. monster which nothing's ever going to be yeah. compared to. My um, I went to school with the Welsh captain Jessica Fishlock. She was, okay. Yeah, like properly. Yeah. She was in my maths class. You know, mm. um, she was my ex's best friend or good friend of my ex, and. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just been amazing to follow her career because she was in Britain for a long time and then she's gone to Atlanta because it's yep. America is, is where she needed to go to progress. But it's amazing seeing her. She is such a figurehead for female Welsh football. Like she's been the captain for like five years. It's yep. amazing. I'm trying to get her on the show, but she's in America. Wales were really unlucky not to get to the World Cup as well. I mean, they, they could have beaten England in the, in the first... Yeah. Um, in the England home game in that group at St. Mary's. It was at St. Mary's and there yeah. was a goal which probably crossed the line uh, there's yeah. no goal line technology in those um, qualifiers so um, you know if that had gone the other way then we might be talking rather differently about England and, and Wales like, you know, the, the development that Wales have made in this in this qualifying campaign has been another real feel good story for, for women's football within the UK mm. um, one last question this one's for you actually yeah. from, I know from, you answer it you um, never get to answer right, this okay. from Charles Edwards friend of the show oh, I Charles. love Charles um, off the back of his fine performance, should we be looking at trying to lure Delph from Man City? Dembele's days are numbered and surely the underrated Delph wants to play more and has bags of experience and ability. We were t- I actually brought Delph up on our WhatsApp group during the England game and said, I really like him. Mm. I think he's a good player, high energy, he's aggressive with and without the ball, he's brave. Mm. I think he'd be a good addition to our squad. To be honest, he's 28, he's won things, played at the highest level, Champions League, Premier League bit more of an established international team player as well. Like, I think he'd be fantastic. Whether or not he'd sign for us, I'm not sure because 
would he not be leaving Man City as a squad player to really become a squad player at Spurs? I think that's the issue there, isn't it? I mean, we mm. didn't manage to get Jack Grealish this summer, and I imagine that even as a squad player at City, that he's going to be earning yeah. uh, more yeah. than any of our yeah. players earn. And he's still a squad player who is getting a chance to come and play very well for England, and is at a club that is going to probably challenge for the Champions League and, and Premier yeah. League in a, in a more realistic sense than we are. So. You know, he's probably going to be taking a, a drop in salary for not necessarily a much more of a, a look in in the starting lineup. But um, I think he's a very good player, and I think he would mm. fit into our team. But I just, I, I don't know where we are now as a as a buying club. Obviously, we didn't buy anyone this yeah. this summer, and the stadium has got even more expensive. Mm. So, I think our our options in in transfer windows over the next couple of seasons are going to be fairly limited. Yeah, I. I it, if he reduces any Harry Winks time, like this is such a crucial time for yeah. his development. I, I he is my favourite player now, like out of all of them. And I just I love watching Harry Winks play. I wish I could just have a ca- I wish I could have a, like a camera like bird's eye view to select and then just have one on Harry Winks. You know that would be amazing to switch between on Sky. Yeah. That has to be the next innovation, like individual cameras which you can switch. They used to have it, yeah. didn't they? Did they? Well, they had that player cam, but that didn't really yeah. work. But are you talking about play, like a camera almost on a player no, shirt? No, I'm, I'm talking or player cam. Player, ca- player cam didn't work. Well, on, one of, on the player's shirt would be amazing. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? would be like that Nike cam. They could find a way for it to be safely oh. done, which could probably be done soon. It'd be like a contact. Yeah. I'm sure that'll happen one day. But no, player cam was one of Sky's first innovations and it was terrible mm. because actually as, as I was reading a Johan Cruyff quote that someone put on Twitter today that you actually only touch the ball for three minutes yeah. in the match you know most of the work you have to do is off the ball yeah. and so when you stick a player cam on someone it never worked yeah, in no. society apart from the one time they put player cam on the England bench for an okay. team game when they were, we were so animated I can't remember what the game was but it was a crazy game and the bench was just where yeah. all the drama was Good you could just yeah. watch the subs bench which was amazing but um, Chris brilliant Mate, insight so into good. what is I'm sure going to be another fantastic read so thank you thanks so much for coming on I'm really looking forward to reading it oh, cheers um, for having me on guys yeah, I really appreciate you. your time again absolute pleasure and I remember whatever happens, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2!
It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.